Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist. Hi, Laura. This is Kate Hensler. I'm a developmental interventionist. How are you today? I am great. How are you? Doing well. Pretty sunny spring day, feels like, so that's good. Oh, I think it's colder than a spring day. It felt cold to me when I was out at lunchtime and at Kroger. You know, well, I see, that's the southern in you, and this is the northern in me. <laughs> to me, this is pretty nice. <laughs> and I'm cold as I sit here wrapped up in my blanket, even now. Well, I still have on my Uggs, but, you know, that that's, I'm stretching that to the end of the season because they're so cozy. But I thought it was pretty. Oh, it is pretty. It's just not very warm. And I guess when I was out, too, it was very windy, and that always makes me feel cold. But enough about that. Let's move on and talk about other things. Speaking of cold, you won't be cold at the end of this week since you're going on a big, big trip to a sunny destination. We are. We're going to my niece's wedding in Mexico. So that'll be that so much be great fun. fun. We're all very yeah. excited. Yeah. Will you be back ne- by next Monday? Will you be yep. here for the show on Monday? All right. Okay. Yep. I was wondering about that. Yep. All right. We'll have a great time. That's so exciting. We will. Thanks. That'll be fun. All right. That was announcement number one. Number two. Do you want to go ahead and do sports? I know you're still all giddy about IU, aren't you? <laughs> I don't know, I was publicly humiliated the other day by somebody who you know at a meeting saying, okay, maybe you could cut down on the sports a little bit. I think she must be a U.K. fan. How about you? I think she's a Bill fan. Oh, that's you. Yeah, and this leads to the next thing. We had a great meeting on Friday with new contributors or potential contributors for my new website that's finally up and running, and it's myei2.com. And we met with several physical therapists and occupational therapists and some other uh, other DI people like that. And they were all here. We were talking about how they're going to contribute to the website by doing their own therapy guides. And this is what I've been talking about and kind of teasing for months, but it is up and running. And what I envision for this site is that it, you know, it goes with the name. EI2 means Early Intervention, Education, and Ideas. So that EI, EI there. Uh, and... Oh, we I never are, knew what the two was. <laughs> <laughs> I got the first EI, but I didn't get the second EI. Yeah, and boy, did we have to do all kinds of variations to come up with a website that would coordinate with that because we've had this name for a long time, but then, you know, when you try to get your web, uh, your website address to go with it, sometimes that's easier said than done if other people already have that. So right. anyway, that's why we put the my in front of there, and then we're using the two rather than E-I-E-I. That was my little okay. uh, conundrum all through the fall. I guess I never shared any of that with you. No, no. That was a Mm-mm. process, kind of several-week process to come up with what our right name would be and to make it match a website that we could we could actually get that URL. So 
but it's up and running, and my therapy guides that I've done since December are on there, and it's a website purely designed for that format, and it is specifically designed, too, to show video in a better platform. So even all of those Therapy Tip of the Weeks that I did last year that are completely free that were on teachmetotalk.com have transferred over to the new site, too. And I was looking at them today. They're not exactly in chronological order anymore, which is bugging me a little bit. But it's kind of fun to kind of look through different ideas for different times of the year. So those are on there, too. And I love the new website because... There's no more waiting. If you buy a therapy guide, there's no more waiting for me to manually send you an email with the password to the video and the written summary. It all comes up. You make your purchase, and it it automatically directs you to that new uh, page where you get the password to the video, and you download uh, the written therapy guide all on one page. Instant, so I'm so excited that finally worked. That was a big glitch, too, uh, which caused many of the delays that we were kind of waiting on to get things up and running. But it is all going today and beautiful. And, again, I'm just giddy about how well it's turned out, and it's um, going to be even better as we develop it over the next several months. And you hear first and add new content all the time. And if you live in a different town than me and don't know me personally but want to figure out a way to be a contributor yourself, shoot me an email at laura at teachmetotalk.com and we will start talking about that back and forth because I hope that by the time it's all said and done, this is a place that early interventionists of all disciplines can really contribute and have tons of videos and articles and even little free uh, kind of therapy tip of the week videos that we can share back and forth. And I think it's going to be tons of fun, and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, who would have believed way back when before? I mean, just since you've been doing this show, the technology has come so far. You know, Well, that's kind of our theme of the day because today when we were getting our final (laughs) tutorial on the new site, which I spent a couple of hours on the phone with our web person, our new web person this morning, and we were kind of laughing at when we started Teach Me to Talk in 2008, just how different things are now and how easily accessible so many of these features are and things that Johnny and I haven't really even known because, frankly, we've been so busy with conferences and with new products and just everything that we haven't even updated, teachmetotalk.com, like we want to do now, now that we know all of our options and all of the things that are available. So after we get my EI2 up and really running, we're going to do a big overhaul of teachmetotalk.com. So, again, that's, I'll talk about that for a while, I'm sure, before it's really done. But it's so, uh, my point being, boy, how the technology has changed. Because something before that took me 10 steps to do at teachmetotalk.com is pretty automatic on the new website, and that was fun for me to have somebody who really knew what he was talking about walk me through some of those newer updates. So just because you learned a way to do something five years ago doesn't mean it should stay the same when you're moving forward. And that's how our therapy should be, too. We should always be updating and learning and adding new tweaks and new ideas. So I thought it was a great analogy and a great way to kind of think about it today. 
that is yeah, true. It's be like, but it is true. When it's Sorry. technology, it's kind of intimidating sometimes, especially when you figure out how to do it one way, and it's like, oh, they've updated it. Oh, no, I have to relearn it. It's like getting a new fancy phone. Oh, cool, but, but you, you got to learn how to use it. It'll make it more efficient and more effective, and that's what we need to think about, too, with our with our therapy technique. We can all learn new twists that make things better for us. So, again, I, it's been highly relevant to me as I've been thinking about all these technological updates as well as therapy stuff this morning and trying to kind of apply that across the board. I'm being pretty darn philosophical today, so there you go. You are. But I'm impressed. <laughs> but you'll have to check it out. It's myei2.com. And, again, if anyone listening has not taken a look at those new therapy guides, they're all right there. And, again, so easy to see, and you don't have to comb through other posts to see, you know, what you're really looking for. It's all right there. So I'm giddy, giddy, giddy about it. Um, in honor of that, watching, I wanted to say, too, the sale that we're promoting this week at TeachMeToTalk.com is the Therapy Manual Combo Pack. And that would be all three therapy manuals of mine, Teach Me to Play With You, Teach Me to Talk the Therapy Manual, and Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. If you buy all three of those, it's the Therapy Manual Combo Pack. Uh, you get Creating Verbal Routines as your free gift. And so you can find out information about that. At oh, the therapy guide for it, you mean? The therapy guide, Creating Verbal Routines, is free if you right. purchase the therapy manual combo pack. So for anyone who's listening, who's been thinking, man, I really want to get one of those books she's always telling somebody to get, this is your time. This is your opportunity. It's uh, a little on a little bit of a sale, but the big thing is you get Creating Verbal Routine, the therapy guide for free. So I wanted to mention that little promo today. Awesome. And let's see, any more announcements? I don't really have anything else written down to talk about, other than I do have a lot of fun on Friday. It's always nice to see you in person after we talk on the phone. That was kind of fun, even though all of our other friends were here, too, or acquaintances. Right. Well, oh, I didn't get to say about the Hoosiers. We're not done. I have my update, because I know there's at least one listener out there in Indiana who's an Indiana fan. They are still number one. Thanks for the mojo on the game last week against Michigan State. They won. And, what night was um, that? Because I thought, was that Wednesday night? Tuesday night. Tuesday well, night. Great yeah. game. Oh, I mean, Wednesday. it was neck and neck the whole way. It was good. I watched it. And the family I saw on Wednesday, that mom is a podcast listener, and she came in very excited about her Hoosiers, and she wanted me to say that she was oh. glad that we were talking about that. And I almost said that on Friday when her other friend kind of slammed us about the sports segment on the podcast. <laughs> that mom listens, too, and she was quite excited that we have been she talking about that. She likes about on there. Well, see, I knew there was at least one other person <laughs> who was happy about the Hoosiers. Okay, I'll quit going on now, though. That's okay. Enjoy what are we going to talk about today, Laura? Okay, today we're talking about all of those special 
challenges that we get when we work with families of our little clients. And we're not talking about moms and dads today. We're talking about the special little situations that arise when siblings are present. And we got a great question from a therapist who had uh, has a grandmother who participates with a little client. And so I thought we would lump these into one show and talk about working with families. And again, those special little circumstances that sometimes cause us to really think, what can I do to solve this issue to still make the session effective for the little client that you're working with and involve the child's family members. Because if when we have parents and when we have grandparents really buy into therapy and what we're doing, that child gets even more time and love and attention um, directed toward him and helping him work through his developmental challenges, no matter um, what that specific issue might be. So I love working with grandmothers, and I love when brothers and sisters are involved in therapy, but sometimes they present some issues. And so we thought we would talk about these two specific questions and then anything else that kind of comes up related to dealing with and with grandparents. So which one? Which question do you think we ought to start with, Kate? The siblings or the grandmother? Let's do the siblings. Okay, the siblings. This therapist is named Rebecca, and she says, I was wondering when you're working with a child, what do you do about siblings who want to get in your bag and get the toys out and try to kind of take over the play session with the child that you need to work with? And then she goes on to say there is a three-and-a-half-year age difference in the children, and she feels like... She spends all of her time during the session getting the toys back from the siblings rather than really focusing on what the child needs. And let's just say, if you do home visits, this is a common, common occurrence, don't you think? Yes. I mean, dealing with siblings is, um, if you know they have them, then you usually have to deal with them. Exactly. And so let's talk about all the different options. First of all, um, let's just get right out of the way that a lot of people are thinking, well, why don't you just tell the mom or the whoever's there that the siblings can't participate? And I will say that there are some siblings that are not going to be as helpful to you when you're working with a toddler. It's not best-case scenario to ban them from the room or to, uh, I like to give them something else to do that's kind of special so they feel like they're still getting their special attention from the lady who brings the fun stuff. You know, I could either give them a toy to go play with separately. Some siblings I've had to really talk to and kind of form a relationship with and say, you know, I'm really here to help your baby learn how to talk, you know, she's not talking yet and Laura has to help her learn to say some words, but I really need you to be so big and go back in your room or, you know, in the other room or whatever, and I'm going to give you this special toy to play with, and if you can stay back there the whole entire time when we're finished, I'm going to give you a special treat. Now, whether that's a sucker or a snack or whatever, I mean, there are some siblings that these other ideas that we're going to give you may not work for. 
And there are some children that you are working with that will be so distracted or so um, mad or so passive when their older or younger brother or sister are present that they cannot get, um, you know, their rhythm going with you. And so really if these other ideas don't work, your only choice would be to have them not participate. Now, again, that's not ideal. I would love to involve siblings when we can, but there are some special circumstances where that's just not going to work out. And so let me just get that out of the way with saying I do realize that there are families for whom these dynamics exist and are real, and I have worked with those families too. So that that is an option, coming up with a way to have the older child or younger child. Sometimes we're working with a child who's two and a half who has a baby brother or sister, and that can be just as challenging as a four- or five-year-old who wants to be there. It's worse when the baby brother or sister keeps popping out the word that you're trying to get the <laughs> the older toddler to say. Oh. Um, so there are some circumstances where you are not going to be able to include that child, and I did think I would just get that out of the way for people who are wondering, is that ever okay? Yeah, if you can work it out, if that mom can help you find another activity for that older or younger child to do, and you think that's the only way you can solve it or the easiest option, try to try to work that out. I've done that. Um, I don't want to say a lot, but often when I, or that's the wrong word too, but I've done it enough to say, yes, that is sometimes the best Routinely, function. yes. It, it yes. certainly beats to having a, a you know, non-productive session with the kids you're seeing or behavioral meltdowns on one or both of their parts. You know, I mean, it, yeah. you're only there an hour, so you got to make right. the most of your hour. Um, sometimes that's the way to go and everybody's happy. And it is. And for some children, I've just decided in that first session or two when I've met the family, I'm going to try to go this route because this is going to be better for everybody. Or there are some older or younger siblings that mom off so much that she really can't focus on. So for it may not even be the child, the older brother, sister that you're concerned about or younger. It's that mom can't get what she needs from the session. And so you'll need to have an alternate activity or have planned for that sibling so mom can really benefit. I mean, so there are certainly <laughs> different layers and different considerations for almost every kid that you'll see, but I know that that's happened often enough for me to want to bring that up too, when mom gets so concerned about managing behavior or when she just can't even right. listen to what I have to say. You've had that happen too. I have, yeah. Um, sometimes, it's you know, I wish it weren't the case because, I don't think the the older kid's doing that badly, but like you said, just the dynamics between the mom and the older child, she's constantly telling them no and don't touch that and, you know, and it's yeah. like... Oh, it's disruptive. Yeah, yeah it's I want to say, I'll let you know when it's a problem, you know. I know, and I do say that. I don't, but I... Huh? I do say that sometimes to mom. I'll say, listen, he's the best brother I've seen in a long time. It's really okay. I'll, I will let you know, though, if it's not going to work anymore. And so if you can uh-huh. have a real frank discussion with mom sometimes, that, and sometimes moms will just say, 
or dads or whoever's there. Is this is he bothering you? Is this is this not going to be good? And you know, it's hard sometimes to tell the truth and say, "Yeah, this is a no. real problem." <laughs> yeah, you're right. And so he you is handful. Yeah, you do. Just yeah. Have oh, to I do. Through. I mean, I I usually speak up. I just when it's yeah. when you get when I get the feeling that it is the dynamics between the older child and the mom. Yeah. then I, I think it's difficult to say much, you know, just kind of, huh, yeah. <laughs> but Sometimes I I'll say, I keep bothering you more than he is me, you know, uh-huh. in that kind of way, and they kind of get, oh, okay, or I hope they get that. He's not doing that badly, yeah. And so many kids yeah. do, you know, the two-year-olds a lot of times really do do well if they're older siblings there, especially yeah. if they're verbal and cooperative. It, there's they're no the better model. model than his big brother or sister to right. show them how to do it. So. Right. So what are your solutions? When you have an old, and let's talk about that first scenario where you think, okay, this is not going to work for whatever reason. And I've already mentioned that I might give the brother or sister a special activity, and they'll know they can't come back in and get eight different things. I mean, this is I'll say this is your only toy, and I really don't want you to come back in here until I'm finished, and I will call you, and if you stay out until then, you're going to get a special treat. And a lot of times, um, you might have, at the beginning, you might have to do some reminders and say, remember, I'm not going to be able to give you another toy. You have to keep that one or none at all. Or you'll say, you know, you're not going to get these cheese balls if I see you again. And, again, I think it's all presentation with how how you can be firm but still be sweet and still have the mom not think you're being so uh, rigid or hateful or whatever adjective you want to use there to the older brother or sister because I never really want a mom to feel like that. But at the same time, you're making it pretty darn clear, I am setting the rules here and you have to do X so that Y can happen. Um, so that's something I've done a lot. There are some families, though, that you're not able to give your toy to the older brother sister because you're not sure if you're going to get it back in one piece. <laughs> and that's a whole different situation. <laughs> so you'll have to kind of kind of judge with that. I've had other families where they save uh, therapy time, too, for movie time for that older sibling mm-hmm. or iPad mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah, what yeah, are some other ideas? normally works pretty well. Yeah, really um, I don't know that I can think of anything novel. I certainly do the give them a toy thing. Like you said, if it's, you know, if I'm reasonably satisfied that I'll get it back in decent shape, there are sometimes you just know if it has pieces, you are not going to get back the pieces. Right. And you and don't want to have to go back to clean up where it is. So. No. <laughs> And I've done a yeah. little inspection thing, too, where I've said, let's make sure before you get your treat that I see everything back in my bag. And that's the joy or the benefit of putting everything in a clear plastic bag and knowing what your toys are, too, because you can just hand a kid a bag and then go through it really, or an older sibling, you know, the older kid, and go through it really quickly while you're standing there to make sure you have everything back, too, because you can see it and you'll have, you know, you can say, where's Thomas? I know when I gave you this train set, there was a Thomas in there. And then usually mom can run back and help, too. But I'm with you. I don't want to have to go back in the back and collect all the pieces either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had so, chil- I've had families where the older children have gone outside to play while, um, you know, in the backyard. 
you know, if the weather's nice, that's been something. So anything that you can think of that would be a nice diversion. I've given children, like, sidewalk chalk, you know, older kids, or something fun that they may not have, um, you know, blown up a couple of balloons, I take these outside, you know, anything that I can think of that would be fun for them that they haven't routinely gotten to do. That, and I try to bring something different even for the older kids to do that I think will occupy them too. So that's one option. Right. A little bit more elaborate toys. I do try and keep them with me if at all possible because I do think yeah. what a perfect role model, you know, that uh, doesn't really yeah, yeah. get you normally – but I, I think I've gotten better over the years at, get, at being pretty direct in the beginning with the older child. You know, you've got to play by my rules. Would I let him get in my – I have one little guy who I've been seeing the brother for quite a while, and he's real quick, as you know, he's he, – and sneaky. And sneaky he gets is things what up, I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sneaky. Cute, 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 this older brother. But he is sneaky and quick. But he's finally, I mean, I keep an eye, and I can just say, oh, no, you know, and he he won't do it. But he can be kind of a handful, but he is such a good model for the one that I see that I've always allowed him to be a part of it. But I do think if you establish the rules in the beginning, right. the, the older kids it. seem to do better. Yeah. And I and say he, it's Kate's rules. We play the way Kate says or you don't play. Yeah, I've said that Usually they want to play. You know, I mean, right. they hear you having fun, and they're like, "Woohoo, me too." Right. Well, okay, but you're big, and you got. It. And I always say, "We've got to do it slow." slow yeah, you know, so for the, whoever the little one is. And I yeah. see lots of shushing if they're screaming out all the answers, and I think, you know, gosh, or really taking over. I'll do some little, really direct behavioral stuff where I'm in their faces and in the same things that we do with our little. I'm leaning down and getting right in their space and saying, you know, telling them whatever I need to say, whether it's shh or you can't have it all to yourself. You have to share, you know, and just being, again, in a really upbeat, nice way, but still pretty darn firm with, like you said, you know, I get to say what we're going to do next. The other thing I've done is I've even made it really impossible for kids to dig through my bag, whether it's that I put the bag behind me or some, I remember some houses having to pretty much put my leg over it or whatever. <laughs> I've laid on them before, never, you know, smushed it behind me. Mm-mm. And yeah. sad. And know, I, no, even with no, the kids, no. even if I'm only seeing one kid a lot of times, depending on the child, I try and put the toys up so they can't get it either. I don't really want them to dig through my bag either. So well, usually... You can't allow full access to anybody, whether it's the sibling mm-hmm. or the child you're seeing, because then you've lost the reason for them to try to communicate with you, which is the whole entire mm-hmm. reason that you're there. You know, it's to set it up so that you have to play and they have to do something to get something. And so it does. if you're letting siblings dictate everything that goes on in the session or you're letting them just have free range with your toys, then forget trying to impose some of those same, um, you know, limits or requirements on the child you're seeing because why in the world would they want to be compliant with asking for things or 
responding to your kids if you're letting brother or sister just totally do whatever they want to do. So you, I think you do have to establish, establish those pretty firm and consistent limits up front, again, in a nice way so that everybody there knows that you are going right. to control what gets taken out of that bag, when, and all of that. And I do always try to talk to the older brother or sister, especially if they're capable of understanding by saying, you know, I'm really here for him. I have to help him right. learn how to talk and, you know, really trying to enlist their help. But you know, I usually say you get to go to school. This is his school. Yeah. 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 So they, if they go to preschool, you know. Right, right. And uh-huh. some children are going to get really, really jealous that you're there to play with the baby and not give them so much attention. So that's when I really try to talk to mom, too, and say, let's try to come up with some special activities that they only get to do when I'm here so that we can kind of link that um, together. And sometimes moms will, you know, start coming up with things that are really, really fun uh, for those other siblings or sibling to do during therapy, and then you're not the only one having to come up with that plan. Yeah, I've had like maybe mom. they can do Play-Doh in the other room, or maybe right, I, well, I've brought puzzles for older kids a lot of times, like some harder, I mean, not yeah. hard puzzles, but especially if the little one isn't interested in something like that, which some of ours aren't, so I, I bring in a bag of puzzles and say, you know, take them over there to the table. So right. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that a lot, or uh-huh. or Barbies, or you know, mm-hmm. superheroes, and I, you know, I make mm-hmm. a big deal about these are not baby toys. These are big boy toys. These are only for you, but you have to keep them over there, and you can't bring them back in here. If you bring them back in here, then it's all done, and I, you can't have them anymore, and you won't get snacked today. And they can usually start to get that, and you may have to actually. You know, a week or, or two, really, after you've cued them and you've said, you know, oh, my goodness, you're back. You're not going to get to get your special treat if you don't stay out until time. I've rarely had it where I've had to not really give the treat or the, you know, the toy the next week or whatever we've come up with as a limit. You know, and I would try to avoid having to follow through. But if you have a kid that really pushes the limits, you may have to say, I'm so sorry you're not going to get the treat today because you didn't stay, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you didn't stay in the other room. And, again, that would be only for a sibling who you cannot work into a session uh, in a productive way and for who there is no other real option for. And, again, that that should be the exception rather than the rule with uh, the siblings that you're working with. But usually you can... Figure out a way to involve them. That is best-case scenario. But be really firm but pleasant about your rules and about saying, you know, nobody gets the toy unless I say it's okay. And that's what it sounded like from the email that she's having the most trouble with, is that they're taking over the toys and that she's losing control. Right, and I certainly have had that happen with older siblings. Like I said, this one little guy, he's the pro. But, I, I mean, now he knows the rules, and if I catch him doing it, he'll stop immediately. But it can be a hassle, and that's my best answer is don't let either one of them. And I guess I want to clarify this because I know last week I was telling our caller, well, just follow his lead, keep him happy. And I don't want people to think that we don't let kids 
choose the next next activity when they're ready oh, wow. to do so because we certainly do. Yeah. But um, to just let them, because some kids, if they have access to the bag, all they want to do is dig and pull everything out, and they're not really playing with anything that's just, you know, uh, really mindless activity. Yeah, yeah, just right. scattered, mindless activity, and that's what I don't want. I want them to, you know, I want to try and get them to focus on each thing at least for a couple minutes. And for right. some kids, if they know that there's something else to grab out of that bag, that's all they care about. Right. So those kids, I'm going to put it in the, you know, in the kitchen or in the closet or up right. so high they can't get it or someplace on the other side of the baby gate yeah, or yeah. some place where they can't get it because that's all they're gonna to want to do that too. Right. But we I do follow their lead. When he lets me know he's done, after we clean it up we get the next thing. But that would be your client. You're following your client's lead, not the older brother or sister who's Absolutely just ready to not. move on. And really? I have certainly had kids that I've played with the older siblings where at some point in the session I kind of say to them, you need to listen or you don't get to play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for those kids who, yeah, and most <laughs> most of the time that gets their attention and yeah. they'll do better. If they don't, then maybe they don't get to play the whole time. You know, they and do I, need to know. Yeah. And most kids get it and go, you know, go along with and it pretty well. At that point, the parent steps in. And we'll mm-hmm. do the disciplining and the redirection so that you're not the lone ranger. But I've had it where mom really has sat back and not not really done that. I, I remember one mom <laughs> who would get so upset when I would redirect her older child that I had to change my day and go when the older child was not there because she became, her feelings were so hurt. And I'm generally... I think pretty nice to moms and to older siblings, and so you know she would get really disappointed with, "Oh, Miss Laura's not going to let you play with that right now." And I would think, "When can I go when this is not an issue?" <laughs> and that's again the exception rather than the rule. But if that's the right. dynamic, you may have to come up with some other kind of alternate arrangement. I've had parents who hire babysitters just to be there when I'm there because, you know, they may have a twin to the child I'm seeing plus, you know, an older or younger sibling. That also doesn't happen very often. But if a parent brings it up and can afford it, or I've had parents who have had grandmas come so that they can right. be with the other kids, yeah. So use it all really just comes down to how productive can you be with the sibling sibling participating, and I do think there's certainly a lot of benefit to it for some situations and other situations it's com- a complete disaster. You just have to work around whatever you think um can be accomplished with the least amount of resistance because you don't want it to be a real drag every time you go. And you don't want mom to feel so negative about you being there that, oh, all she's going to do is stay on me about these other kids. You don't want to set that up either. So you need to just have really consistent ground rules from the beginning. I think if I were her, if I had this specific therapist and, you know, she's already had this issue, I would go in with 
uh, more determination next week and just kind of have a talk with everybody at the beginning with, you know, like your line, you have to listen or you're not going to play. And That's say to mom, I, I use that one yeah. a, a fair amount when, it, you know, when right. they really aren't listening and I've said it, it's like, okay, last and morning, then, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you'll say to mom, you know, I can't really do what I'm supposed to do when I'm here. I can't be effect, as effectively work with you and your child if we're managing the behavior of the other kids and I don't want to make this a big deal for you and I, I don't think you get upset with me about this, but let's talk about it and let's talk, come up with some ways that we can Work this out so that everybody is getting what they're supposed to get while I'm here. And that usually, having that kind of discussion and being real open about it, but really nice at the same time, will um, get you through that sticky situation. But I'd I'd start the next visit with that little little task of deciding what they can I've also had some instances, Laura, where I've let the older one play at the end. Yeah. You you know, depending on all those dynamics, if it just worked best and yet I kind of felt like, well, at the end, if it's a little more out of control or less controlled, then that's okay, you know. Right. So I'll say at the end, I'll tell you when you can play with us. I've done that, and I've saved snack time for the end, too. And Mm -hmm. so when the child has just done everything that we need to do and I've accomplished everything with mom that we need to accomplish, then we can have the siblings kind of come in. And this has been, too, especially when there have been more than one sibling. When you have two or three kids that are joining you, but you all have a little group snack time or you all have a little group activity that you've planned, you know, for the last 15 minutes of your session, that can work pretty well, too. Um, mm-hmm. If you can't think of ways to to bring them in, if Rebecca needs more ideas, especially kind of seasonal ideas of how to involve siblings, I want to point her to the Winter Therapy Guide, which I did a few weeks ago. And if you'll remember, Kate, that one had lots of ideas where you can incorporate siblings or groups of kids. So those may be some other ideas too. And she could work with maybe the sibling one on one for a little bit, and then have everybody come back and finish the session with, with those cute little group things to do. All right. Any any final words about that? Because I want to move on to the next question. Nope. Let's move on. Okay. All right. This email is from Corinne, and I remember meeting Corinne when I was in Chicago. She is uh, lives near there, and so it was. I love it when I can remember somebody's name when they're emailing me a question. I'm so glad that she let me use her real name. Hi, Corinne. I hope you're doing great. And so this is what she said. This is her question. She says, she says, I'm looking for advice on how to handle a grandmother of an adorable girl that I just started seeing two months ago. The grandmother has heard me model shorten easier versions of targeted words like dada for daddy and baba for bottle and nana for banana. She pretty much scolded me and let me know that they do not use baby talk, and she has that in quotes, and that this was unacceptable. She said it's too hard to break her of it once she learns it the wrong way. And again, Corinne put that in quotes. I attempted to explain that the reason the word was shortened as in banana was because Nana is much easier to say and that she would be much more likely to imitate it. And she goes on to say the little girl has expressive language delay. And right now she's unable to say the adult version um, 
and in time, and she's telling the grandmother this, and that in time she will be able to do it the correct way. But for right now, let me simplify it. And she says, I'm sure you've had to deal with this before, and I'm curious if you could give me any advice so that I can be armed and ready for Grandma when she goes down that road again. And I can say I have had this happen many times when I first began to work with a child. Have you had that kind of thing happen with a grandmother too? Uh, grandmother, parents, yeah, yeah, I've had it happen many times. <laughs> I think it used to bother me more. You know what I mean? I used to yeah. be, like, more flustered by it. And I guess I always start out by explaining that's what we're going to do is model the simplest, easiest possible thing they might be able to say. Right. So they don't necessarily question it so much because I've already explained. But I've certainly heard the comment, you know, well, we don't want to talk like a baby forever. It's like, well, you got to start somewhere now, don't you? you know? <laughs> and I do think that Corinne did the perfect thing by telling her this will not last forever, but she is right. much likely to be able to try it if it's easier. And I usually go right into... You know, this is called word simplification and syllable modification, and this is a very researched and acceptable strategy for us to use in speech therapy. And this is something that I'm not just, this isn't baby talk, you know, and I try to say baby talk to me would be like saying goo, goo, gaga. This is really a, a pretty scientifically backed strategy. And, you know, again, go into those reasons and I'll say, you know, there are speech pathologists who have made um, their whole careers about teaching other speech pathologists how to correctly do this so that we're really using what science teaches us about speech sound acquisition. And this is called, you know, phonological simplification. And so, again, if you kind of use your terminology there, but you're still explaining it, I do think they're more likely to go, oh, okay, and not really go there again (laughs) or question you again because they do understand that this is not just something you've come up with as you were walking into their home. You know, this is pretty uh, evidence-based so that you're telling them, hey, this is how you're supposed to do it. You're getting speech therapy, right? Well, this is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes providing that professional um, explanation, you know, there is a time and a place, and certainly I always explain why we're doing what we're doing. But I do think if you're saying this is completely different than how you're thinking about baby talk, and let me tell you why, and let me give you some, you know, if you are Internet savvy and if you want to do some research on your own, here are some names that I want you to Google of these very highly respected speech pathologists who specialize in teaching all of us how to modify words so that a a toddler with an expressive delay has a better shot. And by the time I've gotten there, they're just going, okay, I believe you, whatever. Okay, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, don't you, you, you mean you didn't just make that up? <laughs> right. When they get that it's on purpose and it's not just that you're being pretty, um, you know, that it's not just 
it's not baby talk and that it's not just something you're doing. And I do think a lot of times, too, they don't really understand. They haven't really thought about why that child isn't talking. But if you're saying, you know, from a motor planning or speech sound perspective, that is too difficult for her. And like for a word like dad instead of daddy, well, first of all, I just think that's that's kind of rare when a grandmother would think Dada is not a cute, acceptable version of Daddy. But what I would yeah, say how is does she, do they have to call her grandmother too, or can they get away with Mama? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But you say, listen, she can't shift vowels yet, and so it's not that we're just trying to give her the baby version. It's she can't do it, and that's why I'm here. But we start with this so that she can get there. And I have, I do really remember talk, saying this to several grandmothers before. You know, you kind of limiting what I say or what I can work on, that's like saying we're not going to let the baby learn how to crawl before he walks because if he crawls, he may never walk. And so, or, you know, any other analogy that you can compare language development or speech sound development to another real-life realistic example that they would get where they're thinking, oh, and kind of get it, like this is the means to an end here. And so I think that kind of works to to um, give some examples. The other thing that I think that she should do is just really start building a good relationship with that grandmother because a lot of times when you really kind of work on that relationship or work on that connection, they trust you more. And so, and again, I don't know that she's not done this, uh, but that's certainly something that you would want to do, especially with someone who wants to be involved and who's trying to kind of come up with reasons to support what you would or wouldn't do to help a child. You really want them believing in you as a professional and believing your advice and following your recommendations. So I would work pretty hard to establish that relationship and kind of get that back and forth going. Is that what you would do too? Yeah, I'd try and get her to say mama so that grandma would be so enamored that her <laughs> grandchild could say something for her, not grandma, yeah. never grandma, yeah. it's for the beginning, yeah. certainly not grandmother, but mama is, it, or Mimi, or there how many versions of how many versions of mama are there? About 50. A lot, yeah. And so you might, and I've had to talk, I've talked to grandmothers about that before too with, you know, what what is she going to call you? Now it's harder if they already have other grandchildren and the other grandchildren have already established the name because I do think that, you know, that's something you get to do when you're in that, that first grandchild and that the first parent, the parents of that first grandchild do kind of get to decide. What well, isn't it funny is. though, but that speaks to the argument because, even when it was an older grandchild who got to name them, it's always something like Mimi, Mama, Mima, because that's what they can say. That's why you're teaching exactly. Baba and Nana. Exactly. And so I've talked with some other grandmothers before about saying, let's reconsider what your grandma name is going to be right now mm-hmm, because too. you are not going to hear that for a long, long, long time. From this child, and that, again, that's easier when the baby that you're working with is your only grandchild, because then they just want to hear something, right? And you know, <laughs> yeah. but some grandmothers are not going to appreciate mamaw, no matter who says it. I don't know. I don't know if I want to be called mamaw. I don't know. 
I you might not really care about that. Yeah, yeah, it's funny to me, but um, it's very easy for kids to say some version of that. Usually right. not Mimi, but... Oh, Mama or Mama or Mama or Ma or something. <laughs> yeah, that's different from Ma. Different from Mama because you don't want the mom getting upset about that either. Gosh, we could just go on and on and on about that. But you do want to, again... Enlist Grandma's help because she obviously cares about this baby. She's keeping her. It sounds like, you know, the little girl stays with Grandma during the day. So you're certainly going to want her on your team and doing, um, following your recommendations and understanding why you're doing what you're doing. And I think Corinne has done a good job of talking about that, but I would probably take it a step further. Now, if Grandmother hasn't mentioned this again, I don't know that I would necessarily bring it up. The next visit, you know, if it seems like it's kind of smoothed out, but if it hasn't, if, you know, sometimes you can tell that there are things that a parent or a grandmother are leaving unsaid. And, you know, a lot of times in those situations, I just go head on and address it. And so if she feels like that that grandma's still kind of uh, letting this bother her, she might just want to tackle it next time and say, you know, we talked about this a little bit when you asked me that question, but let's, let's talk about this more so that you really understand why I'm doing this and what I'm trying to accomplish. And, again, she can talk about the, uh, you know, the research base or the experts that recommend word modification and simplification. She can throw some things around, you know, not that Grandma would know, but just, to um, provide some support for this very uh, basic recommendation that she would make. So I might, if she feels like Grandma is not really letting it go or if it seems, again, to be bothering her, that might be something I would do the next session, too, that's just take some more time to talk about it. Would you do that? I, I It would depend what the vibe was. If I felt like, you know... I think the the best thing to to eliminate the issue if there is in fact an issue is to have the kid get some success on imitating those simple things and then get some you know when they see it's working right it's not as much of a an issue right so and I always talk about too that lots of typically developing children also use those simplifications, and so it's something that's natural and something that might happen anyway, and we're certainly not going to overcorrect anything that she would try to say at this, sweet little girl would try to say at this point, because we want to do everything we can to make her, uh, to facilitate words and make her successful and get her as much initial progress as we can. And I think that's a good a good thing to bring up, too, is to work really hard to make those words uh, make those words matter and get say some of those words because, again, it might take some of that sting out and Grandma might be a little more uncomfortable if she's her saying something rather than nothing. And I think that always happens, too, once they start to see that you're getting, that you're making some progress, that whatever right. the initial reaction has been kind of goes away. Right. When, they're, when you're switching, you know, you started with Baba, now they're doing bubbles and ball and bye bye. They're like, okay, you know. She knows what see? she's doing here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So we weren't we're not gonna get stuck on Nana and Baba but um yeah. as a starting point, yeah. But you know, hopefully that's happening and by the time we're doing this response she'll be saying, Yep, grandma's now my biggest fan. So that's yeah. what she needs. She needs grandma embracing what she needs her to do through the week with her. And like you said, sounds like, um, you know, maybe the child is with the grandma at least on this day, maybe every day. I've had right. wonderful grandmothers who, Me too. you know, just were just so loving and so good with their grandkids and so willing to do what, what I ask them to do. And um, those kids usually do pretty darn well. So I think so, too, because grandmothers, too, I mean, oh, gosh, they're so in, so many of these grandmothers, like you're talking about, are so in their their grandchild's corner. And, again, they're so responsive and just so nurturing and loving that they are going to do everything they can to help um, the child be successful. Sometimes when you hear grandmothers say things like this, um, you know, we don't want to do baby talk or whatever, that ha- that's a lot has a lot to do with grandmother's temperament. She may be a real perfectionist. She may have some other kinds of personality things um, that she may, you know. So this may be more about her and her kind of how tightly she's wound up all the time, rather than what you are really doing. Or she may be so concerned that this little girl may never talk. So. I think uh, when you're in this kind of situation, you kind of have to figure out what the real issue is and then address that. I had a a grandmother question, too, with a family that I saw last week, and they said that um, this little guy that that I saw is pretty apraxic, so he's got some pretty significant global motor planning issues. You know, he's a little bit clumsy. His play isn't that great yet because he has a lot of difficulty sequencing, you know, actions in play. And he's not a kid I see every week. He's a, he has a regular team of therapists, and I'm uh, I see him every say eight weeks or so just to kind of keep mom and dad on track with what they're doing with him at home. Um, both of them have really demanding jobs, and so they switch off who does therapy with him. We got him into a better daycare, so he's with um, really good programming all day long because that was an issue when he first came to see me as the first daycare was really, really, the staff were really negative about him all the time. And that is no fun for anybody when your kid's always in trouble and he has some developmental things going on. So, again, this is not a family that I see all the time. It's just a family that I I'm their um, I'm their gut check person, you know. <laughs> How much progress is he really making? What else can we do? That kind of thing. So they were talking about when they were here last week, and Mom and Dad both got to come, and they said something that's really happening is their the grandparents are really getting kind of bent out of shape with all of the advice they have for them when the grandparents are going to keep um, the grandbaby because they just see him as, their sweet little two-year-old grandson, they don't really see motor planning issues and they have had some safety concerns with him with, you know, wanting to bolt if he's not kind of carefully watched. So the mom was saying that 
you know, she could tell that the grandparents were really irritated when, when she was dropping him off for a weekend visit when she was saying, now, when you're cooking in the kitchen, you know, he really doesn't have any safety awareness, so please turn the pot handles around and, you know, please, you got to keep your doors locked. And I think, I think Mom had even made, like, a written list of, oh. you know, <laughs> yeah. And I tried to say, I know you're concerned about him, but, you know, really, if it's a huge concern that they may not do these things, you know, do you really want him to stay with them? And she said, well, no, I think you're going to be okay. I said, well, then you just kind of let some of that go then. Because, you you know, they're really, they have the benefit. They may not have parented a child, a toddler with these really specific needs before, but they did raise some kids who are now adults. And they're going to get it, you know, after a while if they're with him and he's trying to, you know, do something that even may be a little bit upsetting to you, they'll figure it out. They'll know, gosh, maybe we should have put that baby gate up or maybe we should, you know, close the bathroom door if we don't want him in there. And I said, you know, that's just kind of being on this side of parenting. I can only imagine, you know, getting a list from uh my daughter-in-law, <laughs> you know, without rules. So, again, and that's yeah. just the benefit. If you're listening, don't go that route. <laughs> yeah, Emory, yeah, we're not. I don't think we're anywhere near having grandchildren. Uh, but I can just imagine, you know, putting myself in the. And now that I'm older and kind of, you know, how you kind of change your roles when you listen to stories for a long time, I would put myself in the mother's perspective and I still do that but I, at that visit I kind of when I was listening to her talk about that I thought oh I can see why that grandmother might have been a little bit, bit out of shape about that um so sometimes you kind of have it go the other way too you want to be so thorough when you're coaching grandparents that you might make them a little less anxious to even help with your baby. And you don't want to do that. You want the most help that you can get. So that You know, Laura, this, this is a related uh, issue, I think, and something, again, I don't have it happen as much as I used to, but it's still periodically I'll hear it. And it's kind of related to the issue that this gal brought up is with signing parents or grandparents in particular will sometimes balk at signing. Yeah. And the same thing. Well, I don't want him to sign. He has to learn to talk. You know, right. just like I don't want him to talk like a baby. I want him to talk like right. a big boy. Right. Um, and I, again, cite the research. No research really <laughs> indicates this helps him talk. So, you know, and then I yeah. proceed from there. And when they get the words that go with the signs, they go, Okay. And I talk a lot about that. And, again, after you've worked for a little while, you have the credibility of being able to say, look, I've heard this from lots of concerned grandparents. And, you know, now, you know, this is not my first day to work. I've seen so much success with signing, and I understand your position because I've heard other parents say it, but I promise I have not had a kid who, when he could talk, that he didn't start to talk. You know, this is the way we get there, and, you know, you just do all of that same talking through that whole process and really talking about your experiences and saying, I know you're afraid of that, but 
that it is not going to happen based on what researchers say and then based on the hundreds of kids and families that I've worked with. And so that certainly is, you know, don't be afraid to shoot your own horn there and say that too and get a, get a parent or grandparent really to believe and trust you in, um, in what you're doing. But that does come up too. But it, that is a very related situation that that we do see it here. It is. They're kind of questioning your judgment and saying, you know, same thing. It's, I don't think this is the right approach. And um, I, I don't hear it as much from parents as I used to because I think it's, you know, signing is a little bit more mainstream than it was okay. 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But yeah. grandparents a lot of times, well, he's not deaf. We don't want him to use yeah. sign language. You know, uh, and yeah, that's where I say, I promise, I promise that yeah. is not going to happen. He will, you know, eventually, hopefully be able to do that, but signing would not keep him from that. And again, for, you know, in, in this day and age, we have the benefit of being able to say, let me give you some websites for you to look up, or why don't you Google this? And mm-hmm. when they start seeing all of, all of those Pages and pages and pages of support for that, I do think it lets them off the hook a little bit, and they're not quite so worried about it. But, yes, siblings and grandparents can be a real challenge for therapists, especially when you're doing home visits and you're on their turf. That makes it a little more difficult than when they're coming to your office. When they're in your office or you're in a clinical setting, you can you can almost – it's almost not as problematic as when you're doing home visits, don't you think? Yeah, well, I think usually in the clinical setting they probably wouldn't be in the in the therapy room with the kid. Mom and the kid would be waiting outside. Is what usually yeah. happens, I think. But um Well, not Yeah, my and, and that being what? Not in your not office. Not in my yeah. office. Yeah. But you know, in most clinical places right. they take them in a room, shut the door. So, yeah. Yeah. But um that being said, they can the, the grandparents and Siblings can present an issue, but they can also be great assets. So sometimes it's just figuring out how to work it into an asset or what you can do to at least manage it. And make it positive so that the child Mm -hmm. you're seeing benefits most when everybody is on the same team. So you want to try to make that happen. All right, any, any other parting words? No. All right. Well, you have fun in Mexico this week. It's going to be rainy and gross in Louisville the rest of the week, so I will be thinking about you on the beach. Okay. Bye. Bye.